Welcome to Restoring Memory, a COVID Calls exploration of the first two COVID years. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters. And since March 16th, 2020, I've been the host of COVID Calls, a daily discussion of the pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. This is episode number 498. This is a Tycho performance by Marco Leonhard. And here he is. And let me introduce my guest to you, who was first on uh, COVID calls back in the summer of 2020, which is a long time ago in COVID time. Marco Leonhard studied the shakuhachi under Master Katsuya Yokoyama, quickly mastering the instrument and becoming a virtuoso solo artist. He mastered taiko drumming as a member of Ondekoza for 18 years. While touring as a professional taiko player in Japan, Leonhard also studied the no theater flute with Yukimasa Iso. In 1995, he founded Taikoza in New York, where he now makes his home. With Taikoza, he has toured the United States, Japan, Mexico, and Europe, and he's performed more than 3,000 concerts in Europe, Oceania, Asia, and North and South America, with appearances at some, um, uh, with many with many appearances around the world. He toured Japan with the Carnegie Kids program. He regularly teaches and performs in Japan, South America. United States and Russia. His best-selling albums include award-nominated Taikoza CD, best-selling music of Hayao Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki 1 and 2 CD. He recently recorded two albums for Piano and Shakuhachi, the critically acclaimed Traveler's Song, as well as the classical music collection Reverie. He recorded music for a Nintendo Wii game called Red Steel 2, in 2015, he released two CDs of his music composed and arranged for Tycoza, Voice of the Earth and Tree Spirit. And I have to say, um, he's a brilliant educator. And I want to start, actually, Marco, just by thanking you for being a really patient and wonderful educator and influence on my kids. You're welcome. Thank you. So it's good to see you again, Marco. How have you been since the last time we visited back in the summer of 2020? Um, well, I think it's, it's going a little better. I mean, um, a few things are happening uh, live compared to just everything on Zoom. So in the U.S., it's sort of moved a little bit, sort of opening. And I think it's going to be really hard to shut it down again because nobody's going to take it no matter what happens. But so we'll see what happens. When we talked last time, you gave us some really interesting background about um, your own life as a performer and your training and the sort of deeper history of, of Taiko uh, in Japan. And I, I kind of wanted to return to that and maybe you could say a little bit more um, about how the music that you're interested in and that you play um, emerges from hard times, from difficulties, from disasters. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it really comes out, out of disasters, but uh, I mean, so, some of the pieces sort of survived the different natural disasters in Japan and sort of were passed on through the generation as in Japan compared to maybe Europe where things were made out of stones. I mean, in Japan, everything's wood and it just gets blown away really quickly. And so we learned a piece from uh, one festival close to Nagoya that was uh, actually, in the 50s, I think there was a big uh, typhoon and it just wiped out the whole area. 
and one teacher sort of kept it up and he wanted to revive it and so he started teaching to the children whatever he had remembered as a <clears throat> as he played it and sort of reconstructed the whole uh, festival and all the songs so there were about 10 songs that he he started teaching i mean he passed away about 15 years ago but he he taught us as well he was open to having non you know non villagers participate too and sharing so in that sense it, you know it's been passed on thanks to a few people who were who were surviving and willing to sort of uh, revive the the traditions you also shared last time uh, the experience of what it was what it was like to to master uh, the instruments that you have and the very specialized and long training that it takes. And that's been on my mind a lot, actually, when we think about what the pandemic has forced people to do to try to cope. I mean, do you stay in, I mean, first of all, is Tycho still trained that way? And have people been able to train in this time? Because the way you described it, it was very communal, it was exercise oriented, there's a lot of sharing of space. Have people been able to do that? Well, in Japan, I think, yes. I mean, I, I, I look at on Facebook and what's happening. And I know there's one group uh, from, well, I was with this group, Ondekoza, that split in two. And recently in Europe, the, the other group was performing, going on tour in England. And I think it was going to Paris. So <clears throat> I don't know what's happening now because it's slowly shutting down again. And But in Japan, I think because there's this tradition of wearing a mask when you had in flu season so it's sort of the spread wasn't as bad but it is now but they were doing still some performances so i think they were able to perform and then the the group for example i was with was a commune so we lived all together so we were already there so we didn't have to commune and so you know as part of the training running was part of the the, the conditioning so obviously that you can always do on your own just training, sort of staying uh, fit for the taiko, playing together. Of, of course, you know, it's a limited number of people that play together. But uh, I think a little bit, you know, for maybe one year, it was sort of a really, everybody was kind of a on a screeching halt. But uh, little by little, people were able to 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 play again. And I, in the middle of the pandemic in 20, in September, August of 2020, Actually, I went to Italy to do some uh, touring and it was sort of right before the second or third wave. And I was yeah. able to do some concerts in Torino outside and also in Parma. And there was a taiko group there with the Buddhist temples and Buddhist. And they were practicing. They were they kept on practicing and they were a little away from the city. And we, we performed outside on, the, on a square. So <clears throat> that was actually happening. So. It was actually easier, I would say, in 2020 than in 21. That's um, that's really impressive that you got to go to Italy and, and particularly of places that were so devastated. But what was interesting is I, I I got another view from the Italian. I mean, we got from the government. We heard the stories, but when I went in the core of where it happened first, where everything yeah. was shut down. The story was a little different. I mean, it was a little, I wonder if eventually in the history, things will come out, what actually happened in those hospitals and how elderly was sort of forced to be in hospitals and almost, 
left in a corner knowing you know there were other people trying to save and so that's the stories i was hearing when i went in that region that was the hardest hit those are hard stories to tell and hard stories to hear i mean it's going to take a lot of time for people to get i don't know how people recover from from things like that music helps i mean did you feel that you were providing almost a kind of a to me, being in a square and hearing you play outdoors in the middle of all that would have been absolute therapy. Yes, I mean, there were, I think, I mean, that was one reason to have it outside, also to for the people to be able to, to experience it. But also, especially Tycho has sort of that energy, just sort of <clears throat> infused energy into people just listen, listening to it. So I think think in general also music helps people and that's one of the first thing people go in time of hardship they they go to the arts and to being entertained try to escape in a way go in another another world and and again i feel it's always the the last uh the art is always the last one to be helped or to be uh uh, grants are the sort of the, the arts grants are always the last ones to come. <clears throat> First, it's the bankers, the lawyers, and all yeah, these people, right. and then eventually we get trickled down. <clears throat> but it's the yeah. first thing that people really, you know, need. Yeah. In, yeah. in case it, of hardship. It, it, when we talked um, last time, in fact, they were, you had just finished a period of time at which you were performing on your rooftop every night. Yeah, so I mean, there was that tradition that started, I guess, in Italy, where people sort of yeah. were singing, banging singing. pots, and and so I started. We have a roof on our apartment building, so I started playing from nine to nine twenty every day, and then people were sort of joining in. So I bought different drums so they could just join in. Some people play pots, but yes, I, I did that for. I think from March till September every day. Yeah. 2020. I, I mean, I think it just underscores your point of, you know, the things that people turn to first for some solace were yeah. narratives, stories, like things from other periods at times, either real or fictional. I, I can't tell you how many, you know, interviews I've fielded where mm. people wanted to know. I mean, they were asking about previous disasters, but what they really wanted to know is that we got through it. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, so they rely on sort of narrative story and art as and, and we do to make sense of things that are complicated and scary. Right. I mean, poetry or I mean, painting, all, all, all these things are very sort of key to sort of for people to cope with uh, hardship, I think. One other question I wanted to get to, we're going to have, you're been kind enough to to perform and um i see it's this it's not going to be is, Tycho, but because i'm no, no, that's, it's not, no that's fine it's that's, be, yeah no and you can tell us about the instrument and and the style maybe before you before you play but um you know this is the two-year anniversary of doing these um covid calls and it's just i've had in the last two days several artists i just had david brick a choreographer and dancer pre- perform actually right perform on screen and yesterday I had singer-songwriter John Gorka perform. So it's really important to me to signal to people how I see art also as part of this broader conversation. I mean, I've talked to epidemiologists and I've talked to senator, 
senators and representatives and um, scientists and social scientists. But um, I think in disasters, we have to consult with artists too. I don't think we can understand what we're going through unless we talk with you, Marco, um, and others who have special, I think, talents of translating um, concern and giving it back to us in ways that we can use. Yes, I, I, do, I do believe so. I mean, it should be sort of a, what the society is, is made out of should be, every element should be included in in those times of needs. I mean, just not, <clears throat> you know, scientists not always have the, 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 the responses. They don't have the answers, obviously, even during the pandemic, though they are the specialists about viruses, but obviously, you know, every day it seemed to be changing. So it seems everybody was kind of a, a scientist. I mean, looking at the ex-president, we thought he was. So can you tell us what we're going to hear? So this is a song. Uh, didn't really, I mean, at first I, I started calling it pandemic blues, but it's not really a blues. But it was just kind of a, a general theme that I thought I give it. And then I I just sort of uh, wrote the piece. So I, I'm never very good at naming songs, coming up with titles. So this will be performed on uh, Shakuhachi. So that's a bamboo flute. And so it has five holes for in the front. So that's Pandemic Blues by Marco Leonhard, uh, so performed on, yeah. So I wanted, like, it started kind of a little sad, but then I wanted to bring a little hope at the end, sort of a, a, an upbeat uh, <clears throat> rhythm and melodies at the end, so. Yeah, the time signature changes there. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is upbeat. I mean, I found myself even kind of want to get, get out of the chair here a little bit. <laughs> <clears throat> Would you so, ordinarily yeah. accompany that with some movement? 
Well, actually, it was with Taiko, but I, you know, I, I can play the two things at a time. Plus, I, I couldn't play the Taiko in the hotel room. But uh, you might get a, you might get a call <laughs> from the front desk if you broke out the big truck. <laughs> so it, actually, I have like two. I have the the main melody that you heard, and I have the second voice, and then there's a drum in the back. So uh -huh. before going into that fast part, first there's a, a drum sort of a intro, and then it leads into the the second part. So <clears throat> could you talk a little bit about the um the breath of that, the breath control? Because when I think of taiko drumming, of course, I think of the physical stamina that's required for that. And if anybody who hasn't seen a taiko performance, there's there's often parts of it in which the drummers are um, interacting with very heavy drums. So there's a lot of muscle tone and control. That's and, uh, part of it. Very large sticks as well. So yeah, and so it can be up to a pound or you know half a kilo for each stick. So, I mean, basically you have to, there, there is of, of course some stamina, but also then uh, using the breath and also the the momentum, you know, using the, the weight of your arm sticks and then sort of directing that towards the drum with rebounds <clears throat> and all that. That helps you to sort of sustain time playing for two hours. And, but of course you don't play taco for two hours straight, there's like quieter moments and such as flutes and so on. And that's how uh, sort of you, you can play for that long. But as, as a training, I mean, I've, I've been doing that since I was uh, 18. So I haven't really stopped like that. That's why during the pandemic, I made a point to, to play it on the roof. So I would be able to keep on playing the taiko and not sort of for a whole year, not have all of those muscles being used. And so I was fortunate enough to be on a, even in New York, living in an apartment that people didn't complain and even sort of thank me for energizing them and hearing. So when I would take walks, people would say, are you the one who plays taiko? And, you know, it really helps me and I'm really having a hard time. So it's it's really rewarding to, to hear that. I mean, I'm, you know, everybody's having a hard time, but playing the taiko sort of energizes myself and sort of, gives me energy and I, I was glad to that it was being passed on to other people. Does the breathing of the shakuhachi somehow, is it, because you talked about it as a meditative practice as well. Can you say a little bit more about that? And I ask because, um, because breathing has been a big part of discussion with this pandemic. So and I think we yeah. should reflect on that a little bit. So in Shakuhachi, the the idea first, um, I'm I'm sort of writing a book, so I'm trying to get some of the history, and I'm finding that there were a lot of um, things that were made up, and then later on through centuries saying, oh, it burned down, we rewrote it, but here it is. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that happened in the 16th century, and of course you had so many years back, but people can still trace down, they don't see uh papers or books written about it or there's no information about the facts that they pretend but basically uh it started in china and some some monks were uh actually playing sort of a bell and one a student wanted actually to to study with that uh master but he wouldn't let him so he he recreated the sound of the bell with the flute which already is pretty out there. 
as an explanation. And then that sort of, he created a few songs after having a dream. So we are almost in the uh, religious sort of almost <laughs> different uh, legends. But so, and then those teachers went to Japan and passed on those uh, songs. That is the story. But technically, basically playing this instrument, you are breathing meditation is breathing anyway you just see it but you are actually creating a sound so by blowing through the the flute you sort of use your whole breath and sort of uh quiet down of course the breathing you don't breathe as fast and because you try to sustain and create having a longer tone and also in buddhism i mean there are in this flute there are seven notes so your breath has to go through the seven levels and so it's sort of reaching sort of Buddhahood through your breath and creating a tone. So the, the best would be to, with just one note, that perfect note to reach Buddhahood. And that's in Japanese, ichi on jo butsu. One note, ichi on jo becoming butsu, uh, Buddha. So that was a saying that they used in, in that sect. <clears throat> in that teaching. So in the Meiji era, era the, uh, the the sect was disbanded and forbidden. And uh, as they, they were sort of abusing power and as they were allowed, they were the only ones allowed to sort of travel without having uh, passes because from going to town to town or province to province, you had, you needed, um, you needed a, a paper, a, the pass, and the ones from that sect uh, were allowed by the shogunate to travel and be able to to travel without passes. So the shogunate was trying to control the sect, and the sect sort of took advantage of it. And at one point, it just went. <clears throat> they were just too uh, too powerful, and they sort of stopped them. It's a, a thank you for relating all that history. And um, I didn't know you were writing this this book, so you've immersed yourself now into the historian's craft as well. well. It, it, it's just a, a book. It's a it's a collection of music of songs that I wrote, as well as some classical pieces. But I wanted a section with some information history of the flute. And there's actually a lot I found out uh, that is written about the shakuhachi and dating back from the 70s, even in English. And there's a lot of uh, scholars that wrote about it. That was interesting. But then I found out suddenly, uh, you know, all these discrepancies about some of the history that has been meddled with. <laughs> is is there, you know, you talked about the the, the logic of the, the musical structure and, and Buddhism. Um, what do you know, or is there much of a connection then also to the music of Shakuhachi um, related to health? I mean, is it something which is also supposed to be part of a kind of um, normal experience interaction people have with nature or their the sort of health of their body and their mind? Okay, it's cutting off a little bit, so I, I wasn't able to hear everything. No, I was asking you about the connection between the music of the Shakuhachi and health in general. I mean, as we think oh. of it as something related to Buddhist practice, it must then also have some really strong relevance to sort of a healthy life. 
Well, I, I believe, I mean, for, for the Buddhist monks, I mean, it was a sort of a um, more aesthetic, sort of a rigorous lifestyle in Onde Koza, in our in the more modern uh, setting where we were playing uh, with the Taiko group, living as a commune. The, the goal was to grow our own vegetables, which um, the first group did, but we, we didn't have the, the fields to do that, though we, we tried to sort of eat sort of fairly healthy. And as part of the training, again, we did 30 to 40 miles a day. And then uh, four hours of taiko uh, playing. So it was quite, uh, in a way, I mean, healthy or actually sort of uh, trying to to um to be as you know as focused in our practice and uh feeding our body with just you know mostly vegetables or, or rice and trying to be um be able to sustain and also to be able to run and to be later on to have the stamina to do all the performances that later on we did uh on tour so just a quick reminder to folks you're listening to COVID calls, and I'm talking to Marco Leonhard today, and he's the founder of Taikosa, uh, and he's a master in taiko drum and shakuhachi and a composer and has performed around the world. And I think we have time for another song before your neighbors in the hotel room there <laughs> yeah. tell you it's time to stop. Do we, can we get one more in? Pretty good, yes. <laughs> so um, this song is called... Uh, uh, Unzen no Mori, and that is Unzen is where we lived uh, with the the group, and it's in Nagasaki, up on top of a volcano. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about it later. So here is Unzen no Mori. Mm-hmm. 
thank you. So this song actually, uh, you were talking about disasters. So during the pandemic, obviously we don't have only pandemics, but we also have uh, um, different problems. And in Japan, they've had a lot of um, rain. And where I lived in Unzen actually uh, for seven years, uh, just a house that was right there where we lived, um, not more than 100 yards away, the whole mountain fell. And I had a, a friend there and he his whole house was <clears throat> destroyed. And his name is Mori. Mori means also forest. So that's why the forest of Unzen, but it's also in honor of that family, <clears throat> his wife and his uh, daughter and himself perished and by the just what do you call it uh, the ground just <clears throat> fell on them and just engulfed them so thank you for sharing that it's beautiful and it's a it's a beautiful uh, tribute to your friend it's kind of a, <clears throat> yes it's a really contemplative peace in that yes it's kind of more kind of a quiet and just acknowledging you know force of nature and just the peaceful you know just you you come from nature and and in nature i mean maybe become literally in that case earth <clears throat> so marco i wanted to ask you how you think the pandemic has has changed you as an artist if it has um well i i'm actually you know i'm i'm not so sure as it's sort of it felt it, it was forever but then they, at, at the same time it went pretty fast and so i try right away to be responsive within a, a week i was like I, there must be ways to help the kids in schools you know make some videos so i was right away trying to make these uh, editing videos and trying to to do whatever I, I present in a way that it would be entertaining, realizing that uh, children having to stare at a screen screen wouldn't be very interesting after a while. So having little things, you know, panda going through the screens or, you know, <clears throat> when explaining the bamboo, um, panda bears love to eat bamboo and things like that, just adding little entertainment uh, through through the, the the explanation, tried to make it more interesting. So in that way, it helped me develop in in, in a different uh, in a different way, film editing, which I never thought I would be doing, or you know, be, being more technical about zooming and and I was fortunate enough that a, a college uh, didn't cancel on me, but it was in early April, and they were willing to try the zoom and to do a live performance. So. I had to sort of scramble and find out how to do that, and so in that in that sense, yes, it it, it helped me develop a lot. And um, but then also with the help of a lot of people, I was able still able to travel and to perform live. And so being able to go to Europe was very helpful to be able to perform. Especially, I didn't have to wait a year or, or a year and a half. It was only about six months though I was performing on the roof, but to have an audience and really perform on larger drums really full time. And <clears throat> that that was very sort of uh, very helpful for myself and uh, for my sanity probably. Mm -hmm. 
and then later on to regularly be able to perform here and there and then we were able to they allowed us to perform in the new york parks so i, I got some grants and I, I tried to do as many performances as i could in the parks and tried to integrate some of my students as well because i knew they were ready not to play on real drums instead of at home on zoom on drum pads <laughs> well my son still um if you're around my apartment uh sunday mornings at nine 30 in the morning, you start to hear, yeah, and and this is the drum pad, and and he's doing it from from South Korea, and it's uh, it's it's still great. I mean, he's still and learning he's a lot. Able to connect with yeah with the students here in New York, so it's really great to be able to sort of keep that. Yeah, but I want him. I want him back in the room. I want him to be able to make more noise. <laughs> yeah. More music. I'm sure everybody wants to, yes. <laughs> well, um, when are you coming to South Korea? Well, I don't know. I, I, there was this thing in in uh, in Japan. I mean, it was last week, actually. Uh, but I didn't think Japan was ready to bring the uh, to open their door, though. I think they just about did. And but it was just too expensive, and it, it was the uh, 13th anniversary of the death of my teacher. So on year 13 yeah. i think there's a big event and i forgot 17 and and so but i just played at home uh and i i you know i told them i would be playing from in new york and i put a little uh, incense for my teacher and played a song on so this flute was made actually by yokoyama katsuyo so my mm -hmm. my teacher who was also uh who played with seiji ozawa and um played at Carnegie Hall with uh, November Steps with uh, Takemitsu Toru, a, a sort of famous piece in Japanese new music, contemporary music. So Let he's the one who opened, yeah. yeah, who opened the sort of the, the 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 doors, you know, to Japanese music and sort of being very welcoming and of uh, non-Japanese as well as in the Taiko, Mr. Den was very open to non-Japanese. Mm. So that that is something that really helped in me able me being able to to keep on performing and encouraging them well i i none of us can predict what's coming with the future variants in waves but um as soon as you can get to japan and we can get to japan we will see you in japan or we will see you if you get a chance to perform in in south korea and um you know i'd like to kind of end where i started just thank you for your art and for your being a patient teacher and also for coming on you. COVID calls a couple times. It's been really great. And uh, uh, it means a lot to have you as part of this sort of final grouping of, of episodes. And uh, thanks for doing it, Marco. Thank you very much. Thanks. Stay healthy, everyone. And we will see you next time on COVID calls. And uh, there are uh, three more episodes remaining. Two of them are memorial episodes where I'll be reading obituaries. And then please tune in at 10 a.m. Eastern time on March 18th for the 500th episode, where I'll try to explain what COVID calls has been all about, or at least what I think it's about. Please join me then. Stay healthy, everyone. We'll see you next time on COVID calls. Mm -hmm.